Welcome to another edition of the Work Life Hub podcast. To find out more and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.eu. A very warm, sunny welcome to our new listeners and our regular listeners. This is the next episode of the Work Life Hub podcast, and I'm so thrilled that we're having another guest from Australia. It's, it's been a while. So I'm joined by Matthew Dunstan from Brisbane. Hello. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Hi, Agnes. We got in touch with Matthew again on, on Twitter, which we really like as a, as a business networking tool. And I have here in my hand his book, The Coworking Revolution. Four Secrets to Successfully Working for Yourself. And I'm already very interested to hear from Matthew about his work and life trajectory because, um, as it's on the jacket of the book, in 2010, Matthew left a successful career at Microsoft to fulfill a dream of sailing the world with his family. And us being about work-life balance, um, I'm already very excited about this part. So... I would like to ask you, Matthew, to tell us a little bit about your, your journey and how you got to the business um, Rising Tide Ventures, where you're now, and, and how you got to writing the book. Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, uh, you, you described it as my tra- uh, trajectory, which implies that uh, it's always been up. You know, when we think of trajectory, we think of these rockets, you know, kind of soaring off into, into space. And uh, let, let me just correct that from the start. My career, probably like everybody listening, um, certainly has not been you know, <laughs> spiraling off into space. I've had my share of uh, ups and downs and step forward and two steps backwards. And, uh, and it's certainly been perhaps a, a more circuitous uh, you know, kind of route to where I am today than, uh, than anything I might have planned you know, when I left school, for example. But uh, in, in a nutshell, uh, I guess, you know, as you said, I, I was at Microsoft. And uh, one of the great things about the culture in that organization is uh, they really value uh, work-life balance and, uh, you know, uh, really kind of reaching for, you know, sort of big goals, big life goals. And one of my big life goals was to, uh, you know, go sailing around the world. Uh, I came away from one of their conferences, actually, where, you know, a very motivational speaker said, don't put off your life goals. You know, you need to seize them and bring them forward and start working on them today. And I thought, that's a really good point. Why aren't I sailing now? You know, forget this, you know, do it when I retire. I need to start sailing now. So I came home to my wife and said, good news. We're, uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's sail. And, uh, you know, I guess over, uh, well, that, that's, what, that's what led us to, to push that little pause button on uh, Korea and life and school and all of those sorts of things. And my wife and I and uh, two boys, we jumped on a boat and went sailing. Um, it, was a very, it was a very influential experience because, you know, we spent a lot of time in uh, very, uh, you know, diverse cultural, you know, kind of backgrounds and, you know, kind of lots of places that are outside of the normal, you know, big cities that we think of. And, uh, and I guess, you know, spending time in those communities actually really gave, uh, you know, me a... a big appreciation of what community is and perhaps, you know, um, what we might have lost in our cities, um, you know, as we, as we focus on jobs and climbing the corporate ladder and all of those sorts of things. Um, you know, we, I think we've probably lost a little bit of that sense of 
community. Mm. And so coming back to coming back to Australia, um, you know, I was um, very interested to get back into innovation and entrepreneurship, which I'd you know been doing throughout my career. But uh, but in particular, I really had this empathy for um, you know all of these very smart, intelligent people who were you know really working hard in their home office to try and make a go of things and and pay the bills and feed their family. But they but they were doing it all in isolation. And and I thought to myself, well, why why is everybody doing this alone? You know, we need to kind of bring people together. And uh, and that that was kind of my interest in co-working in general was around the idea of, hey, if, if we um, bring a community of entrepreneurs together, then that's just going to make life a lot easier for everyone because it's certainly hard doing it yourself uh, in your home office. Did this experience of, of just, you know, going against all conventional wisdom and taking this time out from your lives, did it take the, the fear out of any future <laughs> ventures because you think, okay, I've done it already. And was this a kind of a life-changing experience when you said, okay, I, now, I, now it doesn't matter what I'm doing because I can, I can just go for it? Yeah, actually, that's a really good observation um, because that, that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, that, um, that experience on the boat uh, taught us to you know, just have faith that things will work out. Um, you know, and if you are a if you're a good person and you're, you know, creating value and doing, you know, kind of everything you can for the people around you, then it it tends to work out. And I guess, um, you know, that and also when you're living on a boat, you're also living on a shoestring. So we really learned, you know, kind of how live, how little you can live on <laughs> as a as either a yachtsman or an entrepreneur. Um, but it it definitely gave us the courage to, uh, you know, kind of continue that when we got back to Australia. It sounds like a, a fantastic and very liberating experience. And I think this is, has been one of the c commonalities between our po podcast guests, that they all had some kind of life-changing experience. It could have been, you know, being laid off or, or just burnout or something where they said, okay, I'm leaving all of this behind and now I'm going mm. to craft my own way of, of living. And, and I think that really comes across also in your book, which we're hmm. going to talk about. So how, how did you go from coming back, uh, becoming an entrepreneur to then actually writing the book and, and thinking, let's start the movement? Yeah, sure. So um, it, was, it was one Sunday afternoon at the end of a very hard week. Um, you know, I'd had one of those weeks where things hadn't really gone particularly well. And, you know, I'd had the, I'd had the wind knocked out of my sails, as, as we all do. And, uh, and I, was, I was just reflecting, you know, kind of one Sunday afternoon on, you know, why, why does this feel harder than, you know, any time, it, uh, you know, it did when I was an employee? And, and in fact, it got me to thinking about, well, what are all the great things that I love about working for myself? But also, what, are, what were all the great things that I enjoyed when I was an employee? And in particular, you know, the dynamics of, working for a great manager and working in a great team. And this is one of the things that I challenge people with a lot. You know, I say to them, if, if you think, think, of a, think of someone you really enjoyed working for, um, and everybody can think of one, you know, there's often a, you know, a really influential manager that's really inspired people. And then also, you know, think of a, think of a great team that you've worked in and what was it about those things? And, and I guess out of that reflective process, 
uh, it occurred to me that you know there are four kind of categories of things that make organizations and working in an organization really good but are completely missing from our own organization or our own solo enterprise and that that spawned the book so uh, the four things you mentioned as you put them in the book are the water cooler which mm -hmm. I guess is a community a sense of belonging a professional workplace so not yes. having to crawl over the laundry <laughs> baskets <Yeah. laughs> in your pajamas <laughs> that's right yeah teamwork and a manager now yeah. before we get into those four things what i really appreciated in your book is that you're so honest and what you just mentioned also being honest about when you're having a, a difficult day when you feel mm. like unproductive uninspired mm. swimming against the tide when you're in a, a, a larger organization, in your workplace, you can almost kind of get away with it. But if yes. you're a solopreneur, if you're at home, isolated, you're just really beating yourself up about it. You feel very guilty. Mm. And, and, and you just, you know, give very common sense advice. You say, take a rest, take a break, yeah. you know, get away from it because you will make up for it as you always do. Ah, oh, that was music yes. to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true, isn't it? You know, um, with, without, a, without a manager and a team around us, somehow we are harder on ourselves than, uh, than we might have been, you know, in an organization. Because in, in organizations, you can have a bad day and just, you know, coast along for a little bit until you're back on your feet and keep going. But, uh, you know, we, we place this, um, you know, these expectations on ourselves uh, when we're self employed and you know it's easy to you know get into the cycle of beating yourself up and running yourself into the ground do you think that this is part of the reasons solo entrepreneurs or their their businesses fail yes yeah i do i think um you know i was uh, i was looking again at some statistics in australia um you know that show the business exit rate at uh, 48 percent uh, you mm. know over the last four years and, um, you know, clearly, you know, the, the, when you look at the surface reason, why, why is that so? It, you know, people would say, well, I just wasn't profitable enough. I just wasn't making enough money. And, and certainly, you know, that's a factor. But, you know, when you, when you actually speak to people, a, a big part of it is just the psychological challenges. People, I think, just get exhausted from you know having to pick themselves up repeatedly and having to do everything themselves and you know just carry this burden um, and so they say do you know what I'm opting for an easier life and they, <laughs> they go back to to you know maybe what they were doing before I mean psychologically it's so much more comfortable because you you kind of share the responsibilities you share also the good days you share the bad days mm. and you're you can bounce off ideas of other people when you're just yeah. working by yourself you think well i think this is a great idea but what if it's not <laughs> and then you you also then you know unconvince yourself from different ideas because you don't have motivation and yeah i know and but what a shame because you know um we all started our own businesses with a you know real passion and energy and a bit of a dream for you know creating something, and uh, you know what a uh, what a loss to you know have to 
you know, either park that or turn away from it and go back and do something else. It's not, it's not what we plan when we start a business. Um, so it's a real shame that it ends that way for, you know, almost half of the businesses that start. So solopreneurs who are going to be listening to you and this uh, podcast and also uh, being interested in your book, how could they uh, go about establishing this uh, community and all the benefits that would come with working for an organization themselves. How, how, what are the first steps they could take to to get on this uh, on this uh, movement? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, kind of step one is uh, working with the right people. You know, I, I firmly believe that you've got to get back into that uh, professional social circle. So, in the you know, in the book, as you pointed out you know, talk about the water cooler. So that's, you know, just being able to bump into people in the halls and the conversations that you have at the coffee machine and, you know, all of those ad hoc things. And, you know, when you work for yourself, we try to, we try to satisfy that social need by, you know, maybe working in a coffee shop or something like that. But, you know, as much as you might like the person behind the counter, you're not talking to them about, you know, the client who's just cancelled or, you know, kind of the things that are going on in your business. So you need you need someone who understands the journey a bit. And so I make this distinction between social interaction and professional social interaction. So, and and hence, you know, co-working, um, I should just say is, you know, I see it as a great opportunity for solving a lot of these problems, but um, it is about how you work. So I, I'm, I'm very focused on co-working the style of work rather than co-working the place because you can you can co-work in a lot of places but um, so so working around the right people is is a good start and, and you know you should get into a, a co-working type of community is what I would suggest whether that's in a co-working space or at the library or a jelly or you know whatever's going on a good friend of mine for example um, co-works with friends of hers at each other's house, you know, they just rotate around, um, you know, kind of the houses, and they yeah. they, they bring their laptops and and they, they do it like that. And I think that's a you know that's a great solution. So yeah. working working with the right people is you know kind of step number one. And then we have the professional workplace. Yes, yeah, because that's a that's a big challenge uh, I find. And again, you know, it's one of these psychological tricks that we play on ourselves when. When we're an employee or when we have to go somewhere to work, you know, there's this whole ritual of uh, getting ready for work um, and then, you know, physically leaving. And so you've got this mental break between your role at home and then, you know, kind of being a professional in your role wherever that, that is. And you just don't have that when you work, you know, kind of at home. You know, you've got the laundry around you and the kids and, you know, all of these other things. And it can be really hard to make that mental shift between, you know, your role at home, you know, a parent or a spouse or whatever it might be, um, into a professional, and then back again. You know, one of the one of the big issues that a lot of people cite is, you know, their their work life balance is shot because they just keep working all the way through the evening, and you know, it's not great for their relationship with their family and, you know, obviously their health and so on. And so having a having a good professional workplace is really important. You know, one where you can address that mental shift, but also just not be distracted by the laundry and the dishes and whatever's on TV and, and anything else that you might do at home. There, there's a lot of room for procrastination at home. Yes. And I, me being a chief procrastinator, 
I, I, I can very much relate <laughs> to this. And I also think that there is maybe even a bit of a difference there between men and women. Because if you would Google telework, mm. um, you would get a million images of women in power suits working on a computer and holding either a bottle or a newborn <laughs> or both. Yes. And, and I think that there's also in the in, in mentally in the collective stereotypes, we, even with employers, but also everybody around you. Uh, and you write also about this with with your mm. wife, <laughs> that that you know that there is this uh, yes. perception that oh well great you work at home so you may as well get all the home jobs done while you're there so you could just you know do the laundry you could <laughs> get the kids from school you could do all of those things but but I I always make a point to saying that teleworking does not equal childcare telework is not the cheapest solution of childcare or of yeah. of work life balance so. It's so difficult, as you say, to to draw these these boundaries. Mm. Um, and and how do you think people can overcome them? Yes. Do, you, do they necessarily have to leave their house, or does it require just a lot of um, discipline? Uh, look, if you if you are an extremely disciplined person, then no doubt you can do it from home. Um, you know, I know a lady, for example, who, you know, she she worked from home, but she got dressed for work every day, and she sat in mm. she sat in her office the whole time and completely ignored, you know, uh, the rest of her house and whatever was going on outside. That, but that, that's quite unusual, you know, very few people, you know, are able to do that. I, I think the answer is actually a bit of a blend. Um, you know, if you've got the opportunity to go somewhere, then that's really good. And I know a lot of uh, mumpreneurs, you know, if I can use that word. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, know, I know a lot of ladies in this situation and they like they like having a blend of those solutions. So they they like being at home with their kids, obviously, as I do. Um, they they enjoy working from home for periods of time. But then there are periods of time when they really enjoy, um, you know, working outside. And whether that's you know a day a week or a couple of mornings a week or whatever it is, but it's great for their sanity. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, maybe coming on to what I find is the, the most challenging is to find an equivalent or a replacement for a manager. Yeah, definitely. Because I just think when you're, when you're uh, working by yourself, you think, oh, I wish there was an adult <laughs> who would tell me what I need to do. I mean, we always need this guidance. We always need feedback. We need motivation, yeah. something that a, a really good manager would give yeah. you. But if you're an entrepreneur and on your, just working on your laptop or your computer at home, how do you get that? I know it's the hardest, it's the hardest part. Um, you know, and from a manager, you know, you get, as you pointed out, you get a, a few different things, you know, you get, uh, perspective and direction, which I think are really important. Um, you get accountability for, you know, kind of meeting the goals that you might set yourself each week. Um, and, and accountability, by the way, is something that I'm, you know, uh, really big on. I see, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs just, you know, waste waste time, but just see see weeks go by without working on the things that are really important because they get, you know, caught up in. You know whatever's in front of them instead of working on the important things if I put it like that um, you, you get that motivation piece that I that I mentioned and also um, you know one of the things that I'm really big on is uh, you know this uh, personal and professional development and you know if 
if you've ever worked for a good manager, you know that they're the person that gives you a bit of a, you know, a kick up the bum if you're not doing a good job and, you know, kind of holds you to a higher standard. And that, that's how we all improve, you know, in life. And so without, without you know, kind of a manager around us, um, you know, providing those influences, then where does it come from? And, you know, I fear that what happens is, you know, um, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, we just drift, you know, so we, we personally, we don't improve, our businesses don't improve, and, you know, just things, you know, kind of continue on in this status quo. So to, to your question, you know, how do you, how do you replace that? There are a few ways that people do. Um, you know, a very common one, obviously, is, you know, um, mentoring relationships or business coaching or whatever. Um, that, that, can, that can work, you know, in the right circumstances and with the right people. Another, another model that I've seen is, um, you know, getting groups of co-workers together to form a bit of an advisory group. And I, re I really like that idea, actually, because, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, the power of um, peer networks and group learning. And, uh, and so that, um, you know, kind of accountability group or an advisory group, whatever you might want to call them, um, I've, I've used with great success over the last year and a half. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a really easy thing to set up and is very powerful for driving your business forward. Now, I would like to ask you something that I haven't really seen in the book, but I know, for example, from, you know, here in Europe, at the time, we have a huge unemployment problem and a lot of youth unemployment. And so one of the answers of governments is, is boosting mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. And on the other hand, because many people, mostly women or, or young mothers, they would like to have more control over their schedule, over their lives. They choose to become an entrepreneur, a solopreneur. I know, for example, just from the Czech Republic, from 2013 is the statistics I know, um, 3,000 men um, got their kind of entrepreneur card, this, this uh, independent or self-employed card, mm -hmm. for 10,000 women. Wow. Yeah, so if we look at the statistics that you, that you said, um, mm. more than half, if not 80%, will go bust in a very, very short time. So if... I was just wondering, do you, because we, we're at the Work-Life Hub, we're very interested in the interplay of governments and also policy and legislation mm -hmm. in, in uh, the, this um, interplay of, of work and life. So I was wondering if, if you have thought or if you have sought out already some uh, support from the government or if, if there's an interplay with local government or regional government in fostering this co-working model as a as one avenue to making sure that entrepreneurs and their small businesses can thrive and and have a better chance of of developing and surviving and then maybe ultimately you know even creating jobs and creating growth yeah yeah look it's a it's a conversation i've had with a number of uh government authorities uh, because one of the things you know being from Microsoft, obviously, I'm, I'm familiar with all of the tech startup support. You know, there are a lot of incubators around, for example, and there's lots of, you know, technology assistance programs, um, you know, in countries all over the world. But you don't see any of these incubator programs available for what I call the everyday startups, you know, the people who are starting yeah. accountancies or, you know, web design companies or things like that. And yet, 
they they need they need that incubation environment i think as much as anybody does and in fact if they if they had it they would probably you know find that they would be a lot more successful and reach that you know kind of sustainability threshold that businesses really need to hit you know if they're going to stick around um, you see for example that the uh, the business exit rate you know that business failure rate drops yes. from, drops dramatically when uh, when businesses reach two hundred thousand dollars a year, these are Australian um, numbers, but you know they play out kind of in other countries. Um, whereas, you know, um, the vast vast majority of uh, solopreneurs, you know, aren't earning that. And so, you know, when I'm when I'm talking with people, um, you know, about how they grow their business, you know, the, the goal number one has to be, you know, well. It's probably not going to be sustainable until you get to two hundred thousand dollars a year, and and so let's talk about how that's going to happen. And it, it needs that incubation environment. And an incubation environment, you know, is about the business model. It's about the back office support. It's about the marketing and sales, you know, support and infrastructure. Uh, because, you know, being a solopreneur, one of the great things that we're able to do is we're very good specialists in an area, but we're very bad general generalists. You know, so yes, yeah. Which which again, you know, I, I touch on briefly in the book around the teamwork piece, um, because you know there there are other specialists who probably need your support, and you know there's a great opportunity I think for us to come together and collaborate on projects and bid for larger pieces of work and you know to aim higher basically you know stop to stop thinking of ourselves as solopreneurs but you know kind of try to compete with larger organizations for bigger pieces of work and and i also think what another issue that you mention in the book which i have to say is is also very enjoyable because you write with a lot of sense of humor and a lot of self critique <laughs> but what what you write is is i think um you know, I, I have been a solopreneur for a year and a half, mm -hmm. and then I kind of ran back into the jungle of yeah. organized environment. Yeah. But now doing it the second time, what I think is so different, difficult is issue prioritization. You know, what do mm. I do now? What do I do yes. then after? Because you cannot really sequence, you know, you have to do a couple of things at the same time, but well, what is most important? And 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 I love it when you write in the book that you 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 redesign your business card for the hundredth time <laughs> because of course these are really enjoyable um, yeah. tasks and something where you see immediately the outcome, but a lot yeah. of the things where you just have to put in day by day the effort may only yield something in a year down the road, but there's nobody really cheering you on to say keep on doing it keep on doing it it will yield fruits in eighteen months. I'm I know, and you know the other um, a part of, part of that challenge is uh, some of the things that we tell ourselves are really important um, actually aren't, yeah. and they're 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 actually just a very clever way of procrastinating on the things that make us a bit uncomfortable. So, for for example, when I was uh, facilitating an accountability group last year, uh, the number of times people would say, "Okay, well, one of my big rocks this week is I need to do some work on my website." And, and I, I'd heard that so many times, I actually banned that as a weekly goal. I said, do you know what? No more working on our website, um, you know, as an important thing. Because generally, we're pretty motivated to do these sorts of internal things anyway. It's the sort of thing that we would, 
you know, do sitting on the couch after dinner or, you know, we don't, we don't need to make that a goal. The thing that we do need to make a goal is the stuff that makes us feel a little uncomfortable and that we procrastinate on. Um, because, you know, that's, that's where, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the challenges, you know, holding us back. We tend to focus on the internal things in our business, you know, websites and Facebook and social media and whatever, all of the safe things. Yeah. When, when really the thing that's going to make it or break it is Your it's always, yeah, it's always time in the market with your, with your target market. And that, that's a hard thing to do, particularly if you're, you know, trying to establish yourself from zero, which some people are. Yes, I know this feeling all too well. You know, I think part of the problem is um, the way that uh, a lot of people think about sales. You know, they, they see it as a transaction they, and they see it as a, uh, you know, an imposition on the person that they're talking to. And, and the same with marketing. You know, they, they view marketing as manipulation um, when really, if, you know, we kind of take it right back to basics, and think of just one-on-one -on -one interactions, it's who has a problem that I can help them with? And, you know, that, and, and if we think of sales like that, you know, whose who's problem can I solve today? Then that's a great way to view sales. And if we think of marketing, such as along the lines of what relationships can I start and foster today instead of who can I manipulate and sneak my, you know, kind of brochure in front of? It's, it's much. It's a much more wholesome and easier way to, you know, kind of grow your business in a meaningful way. I'll just. I'll mention just as a little aside, by the way, one of my favourite books around this sort of topic, um, and and is very influential. I keep it on my desk and and read it at least once a year, is um, called The Go Giver by Bob Berg, and it's uh, it's a great. It's one of those little parables, a little bit like Who's Moved My Cheese. And, but, but it's got this great um, you know, kind of central theme, which is if you want to earn more money, find a way to serve more people. And you know, I, I, I just love that business sentiment. It's at the core of you know, how, I, how I approach kind of growing my business. It's how I you know, kind of mentor other people and, and just mm. get them to say, you know what, let's focus on how we create and share value first. Profit will follow. And I think that's what also came across from some of the other... Um, podcasts we had is that those people who focus first on the shared value mm. actually may end up more successful in the long run yes it's just in, in it, it's a paradox but no you're right I and look I believe it entirely it's just for those people who are really struggling and looking for that next client it's a big leap of faith yes <laughs> It is. Now, um, I, I have to say, I really enjoy our talk, but time is running very quickly. Mm. And so there's just the last question I would like to ask you. And we ask this question. It's, a, it's always our last question. Uh, we ask yeah. our guests if you could just give one advice to a CEO. Uh, what would that be? But in this case, I would like to ask you if you would just give one advice or when you give your first or most important advice to a solopreneur for mm. them to improve um, their own productivity, their well-being, what, what would that be? Okay. Well, uh, can I have two? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, look, the, the first one, and I did speak about it, you know, kind of 
you know, while we've been talking is around this notion of accountability. Uh, I've, I've seen amazing results uh, from businesses who are able to hold themselves accountable um, to other people. And so find a way to form a, uh, an accountability group or create an accountability group because that, you know, with accountability comes progress because uh, at the end of the day, more customers solves a lot of problems. So <laughs> with accountability comes progress. And, uh, and my, my um, item number two, um, and you know, if everybody could do this, please, um, it's spend the first 60 minutes of every day just connecting with new people. Mm. And you can, you can do that you know, any way you like on LinkedIn or Twitter or online or whatever, but do it in a meaningful way. And so that means you might only connect with three people in that 60 minutes, or you might connect with five, it doesn't matter. But if you connect with five new people, every day in a really meaningful way well that's 25 in a week and that's 100 in a month and then in the first quarter you've connected with three or four hundred new people and i bet you didn't do that for the previous three months so that would that would be my ask and do you know what i would love it if people you know kind of wrote wrote to us you know connected with us on twitter and told us if they did that or not that's great so we will hold them accountable Yes, let's we'll do put a bit of pressure, <laughs> bit of pressure to, to connect with new people. That's a fantastic idea. Um, mm. Would you like to remind our listeners um, of your website and where they can find you and connect to you? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so my website is Rising Tide Ventures, uh, and I've called it incidentally Rising Tide because I believe uh, that a rising tide floats all boats is the same. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of, again my business philosophy. That's great. So risingtideventures.com.au uh, but please connect with me on LinkedIn as well you'll find me on LinkedIn Matthew Johnston um, at Rising Tide Ventures and you can find the book on the website or on Amazon that's great thank you so much Matthew I really really enjoyed our talk and it has been so inspirational listening to you so I'm very 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 pleased that we captured this on a podcast and we'll, we'll publish that soon with, with a blog article and we'll put all the links there to to help people finding you and connect to you. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thanks for having me.